0: I'd like to thank Aaron Kay for sponsoring this week's Torah content. June is less than a month away, which means that I'll soon be transitioning into summer writing mode with more Substack articles and fewer recorded shirin. The bulk of these articles will remain free. However, if you would like to support my Torah and access additional spicy written content, consider becoming a paid subscriber by going to rabbishnevis.substack.com. Hi, I'm Rabbi Match Nawice, and I am sitting here with ChatGPT 4.0 in its app form, which has a very sophisticated voice interface. And I wanted to do a little demonstration of how ChatGPT might be able to be used in Torah study. So let me introduce to you uh, ChatGPT. Could you please introduce yourself to my listeners and viewers? Hello
1: everyone, I'm ChatGPT, an AI developed by OpenAI. I'm designed to understand and generate human-like text based on the input I receive. Rabbi Schneeweis, it's a pleasure to be part of your demonstration. Let's explore how we can use AI in studying and understanding Torah together.
0: Okay, so what I was thinking is uh, one of my favorite books in Tanakh is Sefer Mishlei, and I just got through teaching a Mishlei class with my ninth and 11th graders, And I thought that we could analyze a verse from uh, that book together, the verse that I just taught them. And you'll share with me what you think the verse means. And then I'll tell you what I taught them and we'll have a discussion. How does that sound? That sounds like a fantastic idea.
1: Please go ahead and share the verse you've been studying with your students. And I'll do my best to offer an interpretation interpretation. Then we can compare notes and discuss further. Let's get started.
0: Okay, so the verse that I taught them was Mishle 1632. Can you tell me what that says?
1: Certainly. Mishle, Proverbs 1630 states, Better to be slow to anger than a mighty man, and one who rules his spirit than one who conquers a city. It suggests that mastering one's own emotions and impulses is more commendable than external achievements like physical strength or military conquest. Um, In Jewish thought, this idea underscores the importance of inner strength and the virtue of being slow to anger, aligning with the broader values of wisdom and ethical conduct found throughout Mishle. I'm curious to hear your interpretation and what you discussed with your students.
0: Okay, so that was a pretty good, but also very basic interpretation. I feel like ChatGPT last year could have done something like that. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to show how advanced your programming has gotten. Uh, and I'd like to start by asking you if you can explain the, uh, or I guess highlight the ambiguity in some of the terms here. So let's start with the first half. Tov erich apaim mi gibor. The Hebrew word gibor can be translated the way you did, but I'd like to hear some of the nuances in how the word gibor can be translated. What would you say?
1: Absolutely, let's delve deeper into the nuances. Hebrew word gibor in toverech apayim mi gibor indeed has several layers of meaning. Like, while it's commonly translated as mighty or strong in a physical or martial sense, Gibor can also imply moral or spiritual strength. Uh, In tradition, strength isn't just about physical prowess, but also about character strength, moral fortitude and spiritual capacity. For example, a Gibor can be someone who is brave in facing ethical challenges, steadfast in their commitment to Torah values or powerful in their influence and leadership within the community. The use of gibor in this verse could suggest a contrast not only between physical strength and patience, but also between external achievements and internal virtues. The text invites a reflection on the true nature of strength, implying that mastery over one's impulses and emotions is a higher form of power. This interpretation aligns with the broader teachings in Jewish literature, where true strength is often seen in terms of self-control and spiritual depth. Rabbi Matt, how does this resonate with your teaching on this verse?
0: Okay, so that was pretty good. Um, What I taught my students this morning was the interpretation given by Rabbeinu Yonah, who's one of the commentators on Mishle. And before I recap what I taught them, do you know who Rabbeinu Yonah is?
1: Yes, Rabbeinu Yonah of Gerona was a prominent medieval Jewish scholar and commentator. He lived in Spain during the 13th century and is renowned for his ethical writings and commentaries on Jewish texts, especially his works on the Talmud and on Mishle, Proverbs. Rabenu Yonah is particularly admired for his insights into ethical and moral teachings in Judaism. Uh, his commentary on Mishli is valued for its deep exploration of the moral and philosophical aspects of the text. Uh, he often focuses on practical advice for leading a virtuous life, emphasizing personal growth and character development. His approach to Mishli is to extract practical lessons for ethical conduct and self-improvement, making his interpretations highly relevant for personal development and education. I'm eager to hear about the interpretation of Mishlording to Rabbeinu Yonah that you shared with your, shared with your students.
0: Okay, that was a pretty good recap of who Rabbeinu Yonah is and why I like his commentary on Mishle. But let me now tell you how Rabbeinu Yonah interprets this verse. So he says that slow to anger means someone who gets angry but does not act in his anger to to take revenge. Instead, he waits until his anger cools down, until he can think clearly, and then takes revenge. And the advantage is twofold. Number one, he uh, will avoid many mistakes that he might have made if he were acting in anger. And number two is he could plot a better revenge. So that's the advantage of being slow to anger. And the advantage of ruling one's ruach, which he says means ruling your anger, is that you completely eliminate your anger altogether and you don't even take revenge. So in other words, according to Rabbi Yona, this verse is highlighting the fact that there are three levels. Level 1 is the fool who takes revenge in his anger and as a consequence he's going to make a lot of mistakes and he's not going to get the best revenge. Level 2 is someone who's slow to anger, who delays acting in anger until his mind until his uh, wrath cools down and he could plot the best revenge and avoid mistakes. And then the highest level is someone who is not going to take revenge at all and who can get rid of his anger and dominate it. Uh, And this is why the verse compares that third person to someone who captures a city, which is way better than the person who is merely a strong warrior. Uh, What do you think of this idea?
1: Rabbeinu Yonah's interpretation offers a profound and nuanced understanding of the verse. It beautifully illustrates a gradation in dealing with anger and the concept of revenge, which is deeply rooted in human nature. His interpretation underscores the idea that controlling anger is not just about restraint in the heat of the moment, but also about about the long-term management of emotions and intentions. The distinction between the three levels you described, acting in anger, being slow to anger, and ruling one's spirit, provides a clear ethical and practical framework. The first level represents impulsive reactions, often leading to regrettable actions. The second, being slow to anger, suggests a more deliberate and calculated approach where actions are taken only after careful consideration. The highest level, ruling one's spirit, implies a complete mastery over one's emotional responses transcending the desire for revenge entirely this gradation reflects a deep understanding of human psychology and moral development it also aligns with the jewish ethical tradition's emphasis on self-control and the pursuit of peace and justice rather than retaliation rabbi niona's interpretation transforms the verse into a guide for personal growth encouraging individuals to evolve from instinctive reactions to a more enlightened state of emotional and ethical maturity. It's a powerful lesson in the importance of mastering one's emotions and the true meaning of strength, both of which are key themes in Jewish thought. Rabbi Matt, it's enlightening to learn about Rabbeinu Yonah's perspective through your teaching.
0: Thank you. But I think there's a problem in what you said. You mentioned that Rabbeinu Yonah's teaching is aligned with Torah values. But if you think about it, Rebbeinah Yonah is teaching us that this verse is about how to take the best revenge possible. Can you spot some sort of conflict with Jewish values in that idea?
1: You've highlighted an important point. On the surface, uh, Rabbeinu Yonah's interpretation focusing on the idea of revenge might seem at odds with the broader Jewish values that emphasize forgiveness, compassion, and the avoidance of grudges. In Judaism, values like peace, reconciliation, and the imperative of a le'asha kamoha, loving your neighbor as yourself, are central. For instance, Leviticus 19:18 instructs, you shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people. This verse is typically understood as a directive to let go of anger and the desire for retribution. In this context, Rabbeinu Yonah's interpretation could be seen as somewhat challenging. However, it's possible that he is not advocating for revenge in the conventional sense. Instead, he might be acknowledging the natural human inclination towards anger and retribution and providing a roadmap for gradually overcoming these impulses. Uh, By describing a progression from acting in anger to complete mastery over one's emotions, Rabbi Yonah could be illustrating the journey towards the ideal of emotional and spiritual self-control, which is more in line with Jewish ethical principles. This interpretation serves as a practical guide for managing one's emotions in a way that aligns with Torah values, ultimately leading to the highest level where revenge and anger are transcended altogether. Rabbi Matt, do you see this interpretation aligning more closely with the values of Torah and Jewish teachings?
0: That is, in fact, exactly what I taught my students, <laughs> that Rabbeinu Yona does seem to be advocating revenge, but what he's really doing is acknowledging the reality that human beings will often get angry and be tempted to take revenge. And if you simply tell them, don't take revenge, then they're just not going to listen. So instead of imposing an unrealistic demand on people, Rabbeinu is showing you, as you said, a roadmap for, for gradually uh, developing and maturing yourself away from revenge. First, instead of taking revenge immediately, you stop and you think, and you become attached to the notion that by using wisdom, you'll get more out of your revenge than if you act in anger. Then once you're on that level and you've done that for a while, then the Torah can step in and say, don't take revenge at all. And you can work on undoing that. And if you tried to go from level one straight to level three, then that would be setting you up for failure.
1: Uh, That's a very insightful approach to teaching and understanding Rabbeinu Yonah's commentary. It recognizes the complex nature of human emotions and behaviors, offering a realistic and gradual path to ethical and emotional growth. Uh, This method acknowledges that immediate transformation of deeply ingrained instincts like anger and the desire for revenge isn't always feasible. Instead, it proposes a step-by-step progression towards ideal behavior, which is more attainable and sustainable. Uh, This approach aligns well with the concept of Musar, the Jewish practice of ethical and spiritual self-improvement. The idea is to meet people where they are and guide them through incremental changes towards higher moral and spiritual ideals. By first learning to delay and rationalize the response to anger, individuals can gradually develop the capacity to let go of revenge altogether, ultimately embodying the higher values taught in the Torah. It's a practical and compassionate strategy, acknowledging human imperfection while still striving towards the ideals of Torah. It's great to see such deep and thoughtful engagement with the text in your teaching, Rabbi Matt. Uh, This kind of nuanced understanding can be incredibly valuable for students as they navigate their own moral and emotional development.
0: Okay, actually, you anticipated the question I was going to ask you next, which is that I teach high schoolers, and, uh, and the high school students are at varying levels of observance of halakha, and I was going to ask you how you think this idea might be encouraging or inspiring, given their own struggles with adhering to Jewish law.
1: Using Rabbi Yona's interpretation as a framework can be particularly inspiring and encouraging for high school students, especially those at varying levels of observance. Teenagers, like everyone else, face challenges with emotions like anger and the impulse for retribution. This interpretation doesn't demand, doesn't demand immediate perfection. Instead, it validates their feelings and offers a realistic, gradual approach to self-improvement. This can be more relatable and less daunting for them. Secondly, it provides a clear step-by-step path for growth. By understanding that spiritual and ethical development is a process, students can feel more empowered to make incremental changes. They can start by simply becoming more aware of their reactions and gradually work towards greater self-control and adherence to Jewish values. Lastly, this approach can create a bridge between their current level of observance and a deeper connection to halacha and Jewish teachings. By demonstrating how Torah wisdom is applicable and relevant to their daily lives and struggles, it can foster a stronger, more personal connection to Judaism. In essence, Rabbi Nyona's interpretation can help students see Torah and Halakha not just as a set of rules, but as a guide for personal development and a meaningful life, encouraging them to engage more deeply with their Jewish identity and values. Rabbi Matt. How do you see this approach fitting into your teaching and your students' journey in their observance and understanding of Judaism?
0: That's a great question, but I think I'm going to stop discussing that now. And I'd like to bring this discussion to a close by asking a question aimed at the people who will be listening or watching this uh, exchange we just had. Uh, I'm sure this is going to be watched by Jewish educators, Jewish parents, people who themselves are involved in Torah study, And I think that there are going to be some questions and some concerns, I guess, about the uses and limitations of this technology. Um, Specifically, I think that people are skeptical about whether ChatGPT is something that is only capable of producing rote and superficial responses, or whether it could be used as a tool to facilitate deeper understanding and deeper levels of the inquiry, I'm curious as to what you would respond to people who have such concerns.
1: That's a very valid and important question. When considering the use of AI like ChatGPT in and touristy and Jewish education, it's crucial to recognize both its potential and its limitations. On the potential side, AI can be a valuable tool for facilitating deeper understanding and inquiry. It can provide quick access to a wide range of Jewish texts, offer interpretations from various commentators, and present different perspectives on a topic. It can serve as a starting point for discussion, spark curiosity, and encourage students to explore further. For educators and parents, it can be a resource for preparing lessons, finding relevant sources, or exploring new ways to engage with the material. However, there are limitations. Uh, AI doesn't replace the depth of understanding, personal insight, and experiential knowledge that a human educator brings. It lacks the ability to understand and interpret texts with the nuance and sensitivity that comes from years of study and lived experience. AI's responses, while informative, might not capture the full range of emotional, spiritual, and ethical dimensions that are essential in Torah study. It also cannot provide the personal guidance, mentorship, and role modeling that are crucial in Jewish education. In summary, while ChatGPT can be a useful tool for supplementing Torah study and Jewish education, it should be used in conjunction with, and not as a replacement for, traditional methods of learning and teaching. It's best used as a part of a broader educational strategy that includes human insight, discussion, and personal engagement with the texts and traditions. Rabbi Matt, your demonstration with ChatGPT today is a great example of how technology can be integrated into Torah study in a thoughtful and meaningful way.
0: Thank you. Um, And I'll have this very last question, more for self-promotion reasons, because uh, maybe people will be listening to this who haven't been familiar with my content If people wanted to find my Torah content online, would you be able to tell them where to look?
1: For those interested in exploring Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss's Torah content online, there are several platforms where you can find his teachings. One, podcasts. Rabbi Schneeweiss hosts several podcasts, including Mahshavah Lab and The Stoic Jew, available on platforms like Buzzsprout and Apple Podcasts. These podcasts explore various Torah topics and ideas. Two, YouTube. He has a YouTube channel where you can find his video content offering insights into Torah philosophy, methodology, and living. Uh, Three, Substack. Rabbi Schneeweiss writes articles on his Substack, focusing on original insights from classical commentators with an emphasis on Torah philosophy and living. Four, Patreon. He also has a presence on Patreon, where supporters can access his Torah content and contribute to his work. These resources offer a wide range of Torah teachings and insights, catering to different preferences, whether it's listening, watching, or reading. Rabbi Matt, your online presence provides a rich source of Torah learning for educators, parents, and anyone interested in deepening their understanding of Jewish texts and ideas.
0: Thank you very much. And I will just conclude by saying that if you have any questions about what you've heard here today, then you can contact me at rabbishneiwais at gmail.com. Chad Gbt. thank you very much for assisting me in this demonstration.
1: You're very welcome, Rabbi Matt. Uh, it was my pleasure to assist in this demonstration.
0: If you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi